0: Lady Susan Section 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lady Susan by Jane Austen Section 2
1: Mrs. Vernon Read by Rachel Ellen
2: Mrs. Johnson, read by Kirsten Ferreri.
1: Lady
3: Susan, read by Kristen Hughes.
4: Sir Reginald de Courcy, read by Simon Taylor.
3: Lady de Courcy, read by Gazzino.
0: Mr. de Courcy, read by Patrick Beverly.
1: 8. Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy. Churchill. My dear mother, "'You must not expect Reginald back again for some time. "'He desires me to tell you that the present open weather "'induces him to accept Mr. Vernon's invitation "'to prolong his stay in Sussex, "'that they may have some hunting together. "'He means to send for his horses immediately, "'and it is impossible to say when you may see him in Kent.' I will not disguise my sentiments on this change from you, my dear mother, though I think you had better not communicate them to my father, whose excessive anxiety about Reginald would subject him to an alarm which might seriously affect his health and spirits. Lady Susan has certainly contrived, in the space of a fortnight, to make my brother like her. In short, I am persuaded that his continuing here beyond the time originally fixed for his return is occasioned as much by a degree of fascination towards her as by the wish of hunting with mr vernon and of course i cannot receive that pleasure from the length of his visit which my brother's company would otherwise give me i am indeed provoked at the artifice of this unprincipled woman what stronger proof of her dangerous abilities can be given than this perversion of reginald's judgment which when he entered the house was so decidedly against her in his last letter he actually gave me some particulars of her behaviour at langford such as he received from a gentleman who knew her perfectly well which if true must raise abhorrence against her and which reginald himself was entirely disposed to credit his opinion of her i am sure was as low as of any woman in england and when he first came it was evident that he considered her as one entitled neither to delicacy nor respect, and that he felt she would be delighted with the attentions of any man inclined to flirt with her. Her behaviour, I confess, has been calculated to do away with such an idea. I have not detected the smallest impropriety in it, nothing of vanity, of pretension, of levity, and she is altogether so attractive that I should not wonder at his being delighted with her, had he known nothing of her previous to this personal acquaintance, but, against reason, against conviction, to be so well pleased with her as I am sure he is, does really astonish me his admiration was at first very strong but no more than was natural and i did not wonder at his being much struck by the gentleness and delicacy of her manners but when he has mentioned her of late it has been in terms of more extraordinary praise and yesterday he actually said that he could not be surprised at any effect produced on the heart of man by such loveliness and such abilities and when I lamented, in reply, the badness of her disposition, he observed that whatever might have been her errors, they were to be imputed to her neglected education and early marriage, and that she was altogether a wonderful woman. This tendency to excuse her conduct, or to forget it, in the warmth of admiration, vexes me, and if I did not know that Reginald is too much at home at Churchill to need an invitation for lengthening his visit, I should regret Mr. Vernon's giving him any." Lady Susan's intentions are, of course, those of absolute coquetry, or a desire of universal admiration. I cannot for a moment imagine that she has anything more serious in view, but it mortifies me to see a young man of Reginald's sense duped by her at all. I
2: am, etc., Catherine Vernon. 9. Mrs. Johnson to Lady S. Vernon. Edward Street. My dearest friend. I congratulate you on Mr. de Courcy's arrival, and I advise you by all means to marry him. His father's estate is, we know, considerable, and I believe certainly entailed. Sir Reginald is very infirm, and not likely to stand in your way long. I hear the young man well spoken of, and though no one can really deserve you, my dearest Susan, Mr. de Courcy may be worth having. Mannering will storm, of course, but you easily pacify him. Besides, the most scrupulous point of honour could not require you to wait for his emancipation. I have seen Sir James. He came to town for a few days last week, and called several times in Edward Street. I talked to him about you and your daughter, and he is so far from having forgotten you that I am sure he would marry either of you with pleasure. I gave him hopes of Frederica's relenting, and told him a great deal of her improvements. I scolded him for making love to Maria Mannering, He protested that he had been only in joke, and we both laughed heartily at her disappointment, and, in short, were very agreeable. He is as silly as ever. Yours faithfully, Alicia.
5: 10. Lady Susan Vernon to Mrs. Johnson, Churchill I am much obliged to you, my dear friend, for your advice respecting Mr. de Courcy, which I know was given with the full conviction of its expediency. Though I am not quite determined on following it, I cannot easily resolve on anything so serious as marriage, especially as I am not at present in want of money, and might perhaps, till the old gentleman's death, be very little benefited by the match. It is true that I am vain enough to believe it within my reach. I have made him sensible of my power, and can now enjoy the pleasure of triumphing over a mind prepared to dislike me and prejudiced against all my past actions. His sister, too, is, I hope, convinced how little the ungenerous representations of any one, to the disadvantage of another, will avail when opposed by the immediate influence of intellect and manner. I see plainly that she is uneasy at my progress in the good opinion of her brother, and conclude that nothing will be wanted on her part to counter-attack me but having once made him doubt the justice of her opinion of me, I think I may defy her. It has been delightful to me to watch his advances towards intimacy, especially to observe his altered manner in consequence of my repressing by the cool dignity of my deportment his insolent approach to direct familiarity. My conduct has been equally guarded from the first, and I never behaved less like a coquette in the whole course of my life though perhaps my desire of dominion was never more decided. I have subdued him entirely by sentiment and serious conversation, and made him, I may venture to say, at least half in love with me, without the semblance of the most commonplace flirtation. Mrs. Vernon's consciousness of deserving every sort of revenge that it can be in my power to inflict, for her ill-offices, could alone enable her to perceive that i am actuated by any design and behaviour so gentle and unpretending let her think and act as she chooses however i have never yet found that the advice of a sister could prevent a young man's being in love if he chose we are advancing now to some kind of confidence and in short are likely to be engaged in a sort of platonic friendship on my side you may be sure of its never being more for if I were not attached to another person as much as I can be to any one, I should make a point of not bestowing my affection on a man who had dared to think so meanly of me. Reginald has a good figure, and is not unworthy the praise you have heard given him, but is still greatly inferior to our friend at Langford. He is less polished, less insinuating than mannering, and is comparatively deficient in the power of saying those delightful things— "'which put one in good humour with oneself in all the world. "'He is quite agreeable enough, however, to afford me amusement, "'and to make many of those hours pass very pleasantly, "'which would otherwise be spent in endeavouring to overcome my sister-in-law's reserve, "'and listening to the insipid talk of her husband. "'Your account of Sir James is most satisfactory. "'I mean to give Miss Frederica a hint of my intentions very soon.' Yours, etc S Vernon
1: eleven Mrs Vernon to Lady De Cursey Churchill I really grow quite uneasy, my dearest mother, about Reginald, from witnessing the very rapid increase of Lady Susan's influence. They are now on terms of the most particular friendship frequently engaged in long conversations together, and she has contrived by the most artful coquetry to subdue his judgment to her own purposes. It is impossible to see the intimacy between them so very soon established without some alarm, though I can hardly suppose that Lady Susan's plans extend to marriage. I wish you could get Reginald home again on any plausible pretense. He is not at all disposed to leave us— and I have given him as many hints of my father's precarious state of health as common decency will allow me to do in my own house. Her power over him must now be boundless, as she has entirely effaced all his former ill-opinion, and persuaded him not merely to forget, but to justify her conduct. Mr. Smith's account of her proceedings at Langford, where he accused her of having made Mr. Mannering, and a young man engaged to Miss Mannering distractedly in love with her, which reginald firmly believed when he came here is now he is persuaded only a scandalous invention he has told me so with a warmth of manner which spoke his regret at having believed the contrary himself how sincerely do i grieve that she ever entered this house i always looked forward to her coming with uneasiness but very far was it from originating in anxiety for reginald I expected a most disagreeable companion for myself, but could not imagine that my brother would be in the smallest danger of being captivated by a woman with whose principles he was so well acquainted, and whose character he so heartily despised. If you can get him away, it will be a good thing. Yours, etc. Catherine Vernon
4: 12. Sir Reginald de Courcy to his son. Parkland's i know that young men in general do not admit of any inquiry even from their nearest relations into affairs of the heart but i hope my dear reginald that you will be superior to such as allow nothing for a father's anxiety and think themselves privileged to refuse him their confidence and slight his advice you must be sensible that as an only son and the representative of an ancient family your conduct in life is most interesting to your connections and in the very important concern of marriage especially there is everything at stake your own happiness that of your parents and the credit of your name "'I do not suppose that you would deliberately form an absolute engagement of that nature "'without acquainting your mother and myself, "'or, at least, without being convinced that we should approve of your choice. "'But I cannot help fearing that you may be drawn in, "'by the lady who has lately attached you, to a marriage "'which the whole of your family, far and near, must highly reprobate. "'Lady, Susan's age is itself a material objection.' but her want of character is one so much more serious that the difference of even twelve years becomes in comparison of small amount. Were you not blinded by a sort of fascination, it would be ridiculous in me to repeat the instances of great misconduct on her side so very generally known. Her neglect of her husband, her encouragement of other men, her extravagance and dissipation, were so gross and notorious that no one could be ignorant of them at the time, nor can now have forgotten them. To our family she has always been represented in softened colours by the benevolence of Mr. Charles Vernon, and yet, in spite of his generous endeavours to excuse her, we know that she did, from the most selfish motives, take all possible pains to prevent his marriage with Catherine.' My years, and increasing infirmities, make me very desirous of seeing you settled in the world. To the fortune of a wife, the goodness of my own will make me indifferent; but her family and character must be equally unexceptionable. When your choice is fixed, so that no objection can be made to it, then I can promise you a ready and cheerful consent; but it is my duty to oppose a match, which deep art only could render possible and must in the end make wretched. It is possible her behaviour may arise only from vanity, or the wish of gaining the admiration of a man whom she must imagine to be particularly prejudiced against her. But it is more likely that she should aim at something further. She is poor, and may naturally seek an alliance which must be advantageous to herself." "'You know your own rights, and that it is out of my power to prevent your inheriting the family estate. My ability of distressing you during my life would be a species of revenge to which I could hardly stoop under any circumstances. I honestly tell you my sentiments and intentions. I do not wish to work on your fears, but on your sense and affection. It would destroy every comfort of my life to know that you were married to Lady Susan Vernon—' It would be the death of that honest pride with which I have hitherto considered my son. I should blush to see him, to hear of him, to think of him. I may perhaps do no good but that of relieving my own mind by this letter. But I felt it my duty to tell you that your partiality for Lady Susan is no secret to your friends, and to warn you against her. "'I should be glad to hear your reasons for disbelieving Mr. Smith's intelligence. "'You had no doubt of its authenticity a month ago. "'If you can give me your assurance of having no design "'beyond enjoying the conversation of a clever woman for a short period, "'and of yielding admiration only to her beauty and abilities "'without being blinded by them to her faults, "'you will restore me to happiness. "'But if you cannot do this,' explained to me at least what has occasioned so great an alteration in your opinion of her i am etc cetera, etc cetera, reginald de courcy
3: lady de courcy to mrs vernon parklands my dear catherine unluckily i was confined to my room when your last letter came by a cold which affected my eyes so much as to prevent my reading it myself, so I could not refuse you, father when he offered to read it to me, by which means he became acquainted to my great vexation with all your fears about your brother. I had intended to write to Reginald myself, as soon as my eyes would let me, to point out as well as I could the danger of an intimate acquaintance with so artful a woman as Lady Susan, to a young man of his age, and high expectations. I meant, moreover, to have reminded him of our being quite alone now, and very much in need of him to keep up our spirits these long winter evenings. Whether it would have done any good can never be settled now, but I am excessively vexed that Sir Reginald should know anything of a matter which we foresaw would make him so uneasy. He caught all your fears the moment he had read your letter, and I am sure he has not had the business out of his head since. He wrote by the same post to Reginald a long letter full of it all, and particularly asking an explanation of what he may have heard from Lady Susan to contradict the late shocking reports. His answer came this morning, which I shall enclose to you, as I think you will like to see it. I wish it was more satisfactory, but it seems written with such a determination to think well of Lady Susan that his assurances as to marriage, etc., do not set my heart at ease. I say all I can, however, to satisfy your father, and he is certainly less uneasy since Reginald's letter. How provoking it is, my dear Catherine, that this unwelcome guest of yours should not only prevent our meeting this Christmas, but be the occasion of so much vexation and trouble. Kiss the dear children for me. Your affectionate mother... C. de Courcy.
0: Fourteen. Mr. de Courcy to Sir Reginald. Churchill. My dear Sir, I have this moment received your letter, which has given me more astonishment than I ever felt before. I am to thank my sister, I suppose, for having represented me in such a light as to injure me in your opinion, and give you all this alarm. I know not why she should choose to make herself and her family uneasy by apprehending an event which no one but herself, I can affirm, would ever have thought possible. To impute such a design to Lady Susan would be taking from her every claim to that excellent understanding which her bitterest enemies have never denied her; and equally low must sink my pretensions to common sense, if I am suspected of matrimonial views in my behaviour to her. Our difference of age must be an insuperable objection, and I entreat you, my dear father, to quiet your mind, and no longer harbour a suspicion which cannot be more injurious to your own peace than to our understandings. I can have no other view in remaining with Lady Susan than to enjoy, for a short time, as you have yourself expressed it, the conversation of a woman of high intellectual powers. If Mrs. Vernon would allow something to my affection for herself and her husband in the length of my visit, she would do more justice to us all but my sister is unhappily prejudiced beyond the hope of conviction against Lady Susan. From an attachment to her husband, which in itself does honour to both, she cannot forgive the endeavours at preventing their union which have been attributed to selfishness in Lady Susan, but in this case, as well as in many others, the world has most grossly injured that lady, by supposing the worst where the motives of her conduct have been doubtful. Lady Susan had heard something so materially to the disadvantage of my sister as to persuade her that the happiness of Mr. Vernon, to whom she was always much attached, would be wholly destroyed by the marriage, and this circumstance, while it explains the true motives of Lady Susan's conduct, and removes all the blame which has been so lavished on her, may also convince us how little the general report of anyone ought to be credited, since no character, however upright, "'can escape the malevolence of slander. "'If my sister, in the security of retirement, "'with as little opportunity as inclination to do evil, "'could not avoid censure, "'we must not rashly condemn those who, "'living in the world and surrounded with temptations, "'should be accused of errors "'which they are known to have the power of committing.' "'I blame myself severely for having so easily believed "'the slanderous tales invented by Charles Smith "'to the prejudice of Lady Susan,' as I am now convinced how greatly they have traduced her. As to Mrs. Mannering's jealousy, it was totally his own invention, and his account of her attaching Miss Mannering's lover was scarcely better founded. Sir James Martin had been drawn in by that young lady to pay her some attention, and as he is a man of fortune, it was easy to see her views extended to marriage. It is well known that Miss M. is absolutely on the catch for a husband, and no one therefore can pity her for losing by the superior attractions of another woman the chance of being able to make a worthy man completely wretched lady susan was far from intending such a conquest and on finding how warmly miss mannering resented her lover's defection determined in spite of mr and mrs mannering's most urgent entreaties to leave the family i have reason to imagine she did receive serious proposals from sir james but her removing to langford immediately on the discovery of his attachment must acquit her on that article with any mind of common candour. You will, I am sure, my dear sir, feel the truth of this, and will hereby learn to do justice to the character of a very injured woman. I know that Lady Susan, in coming to Churchill, was governed only by the most honourable and amiable intentions. Her prudence and economy are exemplary, her regard for Mr. Vernon equal even to his deserts, and her wish of obtaining my sister's good opinion, merits a better return than it has received. As a mother, she is unexceptionable. Her solid affection for her child is shown by placing her in hands where her education will be properly attended to. But because she has not the blind and weak partiality of most mothers, she is accused of wanting maternal tenderness. Every person of sense, however, will know how to value and commend her well-directed affection and will join me in wishing that Frederica Vernon may prove more worthy than she has yet done of her mother's tender care. I have now, my dear father, written my real sentiments of Lady Susan. You will know from this letter how highly I admire her abilities, and esteem her character, but if you are not equally convinced by my full and solemn assurance that your fears have been most idly created, you will deeply mortify and distress me. I am, etc., etc., Articles. End of Lady Susan by Jane Austen, section two.